Welcome, you're at OTR, Over the Rainbow, Achieving Mental Health for Real. This show is about real people battling real mental issues and experts with tips to help in the battle. If you want to know more, please check out my trailer. So, if you are serious about battling issues, stay tuned. Your host is Bob Adelman, and his notes about today's episode follows. Today's episode is part two of a talk with Wayne Shipman, as I speak to him about his journey to homelessness and his recovery, and how he finds peace with his new wife and new life. He suffers from bipolar and bipolar anger, which is similar to the anger that I express with my symptoms of anxiety, depression, and ADHD, which I suffer from. So here is part two of the template, Scars Run Deep. Hang out with the people that accept you. That's what you have to do. That's what I've done. Yeah. I only hang out with people that accept me for who I am. I'm Bob. Yeah. All, That's it. All three of my friends accept me now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't have many friends. How many friends do you need, though? I got two friends. That's enough for me. It, it just hurts me that my family rejects me. That hurts me to the core. But tell us about your happy ending, at least, before we go. Well, my happy ending was one day I finally realized This is kind of my turnaround, and a lot of people just can't accept it because it sounds too simplistic, but I realized at 37 years old, everything that I thought about myself was given to me by other people to believe about myself. My inside, who I was, who I was underneath all of my emotional problems and everything else who I was as a person had nothing in common with what everybody was telling me. And I had to figure out who I actually want to be, not in society's eyes, but in my own eyes. And I, the turnaround happened for me one morning. It was, I had that rope up in the tree. I left it up there for like five days, five nights. And every time I'd wake up in the morning, I would see that thing hanging in the tree, but I couldn't just do it. I wanted to, but I just couldn't do it. And I hated shaving. Like, I had these whiskers that was itching my face. It was torment, but I hated shaving so much. The short story is, I realized I didn't hate shaving. I didn't hate the razor. What I couldn't stand, Bob, was I had to see myself in the mirror, and I had to see myself in my eyes, and I had to look myself in the eyes, and realize how much of a failure I really was in society's eyes, and in in my children's eyes, I was this real despicable person of rejection. Yes. And so I just. A loser. Yeah. I I decided that even if I'm a loser, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die trying. If I'm going to, if I'm going to really just keep messing up, making mistakes, I'm going to just make mistakes fighting for a change. And so I turned it around by, of course, I started in the, bookstores. There were so many bookstores in Portland. I was obsessed with trying to find the path to happiness, you know? And to be honest with you, I started in the church. Mm -hmm. I went to many churches, even as a young man, when I found out my first baby was going to be born, the very first place I ran to was the church. And I have such a challenge. Mm -hmm. My, My spirit, my soul, and my spirit just conflicts with most of the religious messaging that people talk about, because you and I walk in, we know how real our our disorders are, and they can't say, and honestly, they don't think we have real disorders. They think we have a sin problem or a spiritual problem. 
And if you give it over to God, Mm -hmm. then, you know, it all goes away. Well, six months later, it didn't go away. And like, well, then you just haven't been sincere enough with the Lord. And I'm not judging them people, but I'm sick Mm -hmm. of hearing it. I was one of the most devoted persons trying to turn my life around that I actually had a key to a little church, one of them tiny churches that had 15 people. They gave me a key so that I could come in when nobody was there and just be there quietly by myself. They trusted me in the building, but they knew that I needed to be with God in my own terms, not in their like format, like come in, clap, sing, pray, take the bread, drink the wine, that sort of thing. Yeah. I was sitting in there by myself. I was sitting in there by myself with my shoes off, just in the quiet. I wasn't saying anything. I was just there. And that sort of helped me understand what peace and quiet really is. And I'm telling this for a reason. I found myself when I got into a peace and quiet place because I no longer had everybody else telling me what I should think. Nobody was telling me what I should feel like. Nobody nobody was telling me that, you know, that's a convenient excuse. And I was able to just kind of hear my own self, what I really wanted to become and what I wanted to do with my life. And I spent two or three evenings for an hour for about three weeks doing that. Nobody was in there, just me. And out of that, I kind of found my inner voice. I found who I really wanted to become. And the word respectable kind of got stuck in my mind. Everybody was like, what do you want to be? Who do you want to become? You can be anything you want in America. I just want to be respectable. I want people to look at me and say, I respect you. I like you. Can you imagine that? I mean, that was my big dream in America was just to be someone walk up to me and say, I really respect what you did for that guy today. I really like that. To be a normal person. You yeah, to be normal. I just, you know, we're kind of, we, we prefer to be invisible. I just wanted to be acknowledged as someone respectable. And so I went back to my roots and started hanging out with the homeless people. And I started really listening to their stories. And they had a lot of similarity. I've, I've listened to, I don't know how many hundred people just sitting on a park bench or on a bus, letting somebody just tell me their story. They feel invisible. They feel rejected. They feel forgotten. That's it. Yeah. They feel we've forgotten. Mm-hmm. And yeah. to turn that back around means I had to find value in my own self-worth and my own appreciation for me as a person. Mm-hmm. And then I had to learn the skills to manage my moods. And that was like, oof. I, I've always been told that's impossible. It's like, hard. you're not going to be able to manage that. You're out of control. And it's like, well, I need someone to tell me how. That's all. And it's not a step three process. It's a very long fight. It's a very long process. I'm not sure what your age is. I'm 53. I'm 63, but I feel like I'm 93. (laughs) Yeah. The mind never stops. The mind never sleeps. And it's always while we're awake during the day, we have to listen to our own thoughts. And I've just had to curb my temptation of beating myself up because my children don't like me. And I've had to just make myself become more stable. I've had to learn skills to just learn how to be more stable as a person. So I'm a semi-truck driver now, and that's just kind of a longer story. But I ended up going through truck driver training school and getting out here in the real world. And my story is far from over. 
I do not, you know, I haven't walked away from the bipolar disorder and all of that. I've learned to manage myself, but these triggers are momentary impulsive triggers that happen. People cut me off. People follow each other at 80 miles an hour. These people are tailgating each other with road rage and they fly past me and it makes me jerk to the right or jerk to the left. And I almost ran somebody off the road or I hit my brakes a little too hard and I almost turned my truck over. I almost get killed because somebody else is acting stupid. Then my brain starts the bipolar thing. And then five minutes later, I stop to get fuel, you know, and some guy walks by and just kind of looks at me. He doesn't mean anything, but he looks at me and I'm standing there with my fist clenched. Like, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? And that's the bipolar anger. And I have to realize the symptoms. I have to sense when it's happening and I have to force myself to just keep calm. Remember my, my, you know, I want to be happy today. I just, I don't want to conflict with anybody and I got to keep coming back to my skills, but the skills are hard to learn, man. When you got ADHD, I was looking on YouTube, of course, about, you know, Bob, I, I, I'm not exaggerating. I probably watched in two days time after us talking, I've probably seen 15 different documentary videos about ADHD. And they all say the same thing. Almost every single person said when they Identical, when they yeah. make simple mistakes, people treat them like they're stupid. It's not like you made a simple mistake. It's like you're stupid. You're not. You're stupid. Most of them say they're treated as if they're not intelligent. They're and, treated and disrespected as if, and treated as a clown. Uh, my last job, the guy actually called me a clown. He goes, yeah, Here you're a Bob clown. the Clown. Bob the Clown is coming. Because I have a sense of humor and I'm open. No, you can't have that. You have to have a fake persona all the time. You have to be somebody else all the time. That's what our society wants from us. And that's why we're fucked up. You know, America is number three in mental illness. Number three. Number three. In mental illness. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not stopping. I mean, you know, I listen to the other podcasts and. It, they're not doing anything. I mean, they're just talking. I mean, we have to get together. We got to get together as a group and fight this thing. We're being oppressed as a, as a group of ADHDers. We are oppressed. There's no other way to put it. And we have to do something about it. Not violent, of course, but we have to do something about it. I don't know what it is, but the conscious yeah. of America has to change. They have to accept us. Because guess yeah. what? We're the inventors. We're the people that go outside the box and invent things, like a bulb yeah, and a TV set. Yeah. And and we just get pushed around like we're garbage. And, and you know, Einstein had it. I remember you said, in particular... You grew up in a family of really intelligent people, like your mom, your dad, yes. your brother. Yes. Yes. They were all just like pretty smart. They were pretty on yes. the go. And yes. you were the one that was kind of clumsy and and had a hard time. And they made you feel stupid, like even in public. They were just like, don't mind him. He's just dumb. He's just stupid. And I so couldn't then, talk on the table. You know, I wasn't allowed to talk. And I, I developed a talking. Talk. I developed a talking yeah. problem. I was like. Every time I talked, I was afraid somebody was going to cut me off. To this day, I'm afraid yeah. people will cut me off. You're and, gonna, and, you yeah. know, when I do talk, sometimes it doesn't come out right. But they had no patience for me. I was 
you know, the youngest, and he doesn't know anything. I remember one time I was trying to help my brother with, he was putting in a light, and he was doing something wrong. And I told him, and he exploded. He's like, you don't know anything. I, I Don't tell me what to do. I, I'm doing it myself. Yeah. Stay out of it. Yeah. And he'll just randomly go, Bob, do this. You know, go, go and take that calendar off the wall. And I'm like, who are uh, you? You know? Yeah. Who are you to tell me to take the calendar off the wall? The problem is see. I, have, I need to stand up to them when they do that. And it's so hard to stand up to people like uh, that. It, it's difficult. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Well, you said you're 63 years old now, and that's what was happening to you as a boy at the dinner table. And, you know, we always have a hard time putting a language to the things that happened to us back then that set us up in our patterns of thinking today. Because most people, they just say, no, dude, that was so long ago, that shouldn't even be an issue. Like, get over it. You should have grew out of it by now. Well, you know what? It is an issue. It has an effect. And the things I saw, what my mother was doing, like I was trying to tell you, is usually when I start talking about that, I get the silence treatment and I kind of get people look down at me across their nose. They're like, Oh, so you're just blaming your mother. Good boy. You know, good boy. You want a cookie? You know, you're blaming your mother. Well, dude, I lived with my mother for 18 and a half years and she had a very detrimental effect on me as an adult because when I became an adult, it wasn't just the tooth fairy and Santa Claus. It was everything, everything in this world. She had a perception that was odd about everything. And so when I came out into the world, you talk about having a problem making friends as teenagers and dating girls as an adult. They just two or three conversations with me and they just would not respond anymore. They wouldn't, (laughs) they wouldn't answer the phone anymore. But I wanted to, you know, before we end, one of the most intelligent discussions I heard on one of those YouTubes about ADHD there was kind of another common thread. Most of them kept saying most people in society are not as all together as they think they are. If I can just say it like that, they have mm-hmm. degrees, they have certificates, they are the chief executive officer of some company or whatever, but they're well rehearsed in their role in society. We don't have that. Like, I can rehearse my role as much as I want to. I can get a job, Bob. I can go out tomorrow, put out applications, and out of five applications, I'll get two calls. And out of that, I will probably get a job. But within a week or two weeks, I'll have a hard time because my little subtle, my subtle personality differences start coming up, and people think I'm weird. They want to talk about it because they're like, you're odd. You're not normal. You're a weird man with a weird crowd. That's what yeah. uh, the, the guy I talk about all the time, NF, he's a rapper, and everybody makes fun of me because he has so yeah. many good words in his song. And he said he's a weird guy with a weird crowd. And that weird he's crowd. an outcast. He's an outcast. That's yeah. what we are. We're outcasts. And he, but, and he has to just pride himself on that because that's when I was homeless, I realized I am an outcast because I can't fit in with most of them. But I heard one guy describe it. He was, um, I don't know if he was a psychiatrist or what, but he was very, very smart because Mm -hmm. he did a lot of family counseling with people that had ADHD, 
like the spout, the husband would have ADHD, but the wife didn't, but she loved mm. him so much. She was trying to work through it and they were just trying to find common ground. And what he said was, there's a big difference between social normal and social typical. Most people get us confused. They say, dude, you are not normal. It's like, actually, I'm just not typical. But if you put me in my group of other people, the, the 10 million people that have bipolar depression and the 10 million people that have ADHD, we get in the room together and we're just fine because we are typical. But I'm not typical in the normal social crowds and they think I'm not normal. And so learning the difference, I was able to take the pressure off of myself of trying to live up to what they called normal. And a part of my major breakthroughs in my really how I was able to calm down and just love myself for being myself, I don't have to try to be their normal. I can just kind of fit in with their social typical. If I can role play and get a job and learn skills to get a job, I can learn how to just kind of get along in common conversation with people and not try to live up to their normal. Every once in a while, you got to talk to them nicely. You don't want to be a weirdo as far as talking. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I was an actor. For 40 years, I acted. I acted really like good a normal person. I was a great yeah. actor. A great yeah. one. And I had everybody fooled until I got the dementia kind of rolled in a little bit. Not bad. Uh -huh. But put that, combine that with ADHD, my short-term memory was, was shot. They kicked me out yeah. of that club as fast as they could once they knew what I was. You know, you're out. I don't care what work you do. You didn't remember what I said yesterday, so you're out. Get out of here. Yeah, you're out. And, don't come back. I had to go on disability because I couldn't hold the job anymore. So, it's... Well, my children are... I love them to death, and I will never... You know, that's not an issue. The problem is... So many years have gone by with us being isolated and separated from each other. Part of it has been in conflict. Part of it has been mutual agreement. Like, we're just going to agree to take a time out, okay? And when we come back together, my mistake was I thought when we took a time out and I worked on myself, they would see the changes in me and give me acknowledge. They would, they would give me credit for some changes in me. But actually, they hold on to you know, what they Their remember beliefs. from the past. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they will poke and push buttons and prod and test me and test me and say, and now see there. And the biggest thing, if we ever never speak again and you guys never hear from me again, the most unfair thing that our loved ones do to us, they think they have the right to say whatever's on their mind. They can yell and hang up the phone. I don't even really have a chance, even if I'm calm and I use intelligent language, if I say anything that disagrees with them, <laughs> they are so offended, they will just block me and ghost me. Yeah. No no it's, explanation. It's, it's exactly I don't get an explanation. Yeah, no. I don't get an explanation. It's just like all of a sudden the Facebook messenger returns it and says unable to be delivered or you know not receiving messages at this time. It's like, really? I didn't even yell. I didn't cuss. I didn't say anything. I just told them how I feel. They asked me my opinion. I told them how I feel. Now I'm ghosted. <laughs> yeah. But you did eventually get remarried. Tell us a little bit about that before. Oh, we yeah, man. I, you know, you and I probably got to the same point in our lives, but I got to a point 
I was just totally content to live as a hermit and not really take dating seriously. And me too. I was convinced no woman would ever love me with the the mess that I had made. And I met this lady and, you know, she really, she just kept telling me, she said, there's something about you that's so unusual that I just can't help but find out more about you. And I said, well, the more you find out about me, the more you're going to leave me alone. So I really don't want to, you know, but what she meant was I was so sincere and this can go a long ways. You know what I mean? I was so sincere in the little things of kindness I was doing for her. She could tell I was really genuine. I wasn't just trying to impress her as a boyfriend and she wasn't used to that. The last couple of boyfriends she had, really just kind of brought her flowers as a way to say, okay, let's spend the night together, you know? (laughs) And when I brought her flowers, there was no strings attached. It was like, well, men are supposed to bring the woman flowers. You know, I'm just trying to be sincere. And to be honest, the one thing that really, really did it for her, she had a miscarriage years ago. Um, It was her, she has two sons and it was the, the third born. It was the second son that she had as a baby. It was a stillborn baby. That had such a detrimental effect on her. And over the years, there was never one time that a boyfriend said, hey, you know, this month of October is when that little baby was born. Let's go visit, you know, let's go visit him and give respects. Mm. When I said that to her, she her mouth dropped open. She's like, why would you do that? I said, because I know it's important to you. She's like, no boyfriend's ever done that for me. And I'm like, well, do you want to go? So that's what started it. And then that also returned. It made me really dig deep, Bob. And I was able to put more of a bridle in my mouth and not be so bitter and really start testing myself to say, am I really respectable? She says I'm respectable. Is that true? Is it true? Kind of like a little kid, like, oh, my God, am I really getting a bicycle this time? You know, Uh, yeah, you finally got some positive feedback. Yeah, and she yeah. started just responding. Well, well I, met, I met a girl, uh, this girl I met in, in 93, and we became friends. We were at the codependency 12-step group. So we were friends. I knew her husband, and her husband tragically died a year and a half ago. So uh, finally, I approached her and said, you know, let's just live together and, you know, do what you know, we both have ADHD, so we're going to live happily ever after. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I mean, we it, it's, it is truly a love story, a fairy tale love story that wasn't supposed to work out, but we did. That's and great. we've been That's married now for like eight years. We've been together for 10 years. You couldn't separate Perfect. us. I, I've Perfect. actually learned what love is with this one. And, but yeah. we've had to earn it, man. She kicked me out of her house one time. <laughs> I, I just got to where I was just so negative. My my stuff kind of came back, you know. Yeah. I was so negative. She couldn't stand to be around me. It was just that same way. And I'm like, well, whatever. You know, I'm feeling it. I'm here. So deal with it. And she was like, no, not deal with it. She left me a note and a $20 bill on her bed. She left the house. I didn't know where she went. And I went in the bedroom and there was a note and a $20 bill And my heart kind of turned over. I was like, this ain't good, you know. And the note just said, you're so negative. You're such an influence in this room, in this house. I can't be around you. And so I left. And the $20 was because so that I didn't have an excuse, like I didn't have gas to go anywhere, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, And the only place I had to go was back to my mother's house, who lived like an hour away. 
And so that was dreadful in itself, you know. Mm -hmm. So I went back to my mom's house and stewed on this for like three days. And I was so disappointed with myself, man. I was just, I was like, good God, I thought I came past this. You know what I mean? It's been years since I've had these relapses and it's still here. And that's why I say now, the hardest thing for us to accept is that it is real. You know, so what you take medicines, so what you get counseling, so what you go to therapy, so you listen to Tony Robbins, so you go to church. Guess what? It's still real. You know, it's still there. And the fight continues on a daily basis to manage these things, recognize the triggers, keep our moods in check. And that's so exhausting, isn't it? I mean, it's exhausting. It's it's relentless. But but we're we we are relentless as people that have gone through all this. Nothing can stop us now. We hit the canvas and get right back up and get hit again. Yeah. We get right back up. That's what yeah. we are resilient. And we that's have why to, we're. That's why we're not on the street or or worse doing yeah. drugs because we're resilient. We're saying, look, I'm different, but it's okay to be different. Yeah. You know, it is. By God. <laughs> so And I used to say that with anger. I used to say that with anger, but now I say it with a very, very self confidence. Like it's, it's okay to be okay, different. Uh, okay. I, I hope people realize that out there in uh podcast land. It's okay to be different. Yeah. You can do what you want to do, so just go and do it. I mean, if you need inspiration, yeah. go to NF. He came from nothing and he made his whole life. And we have recovery story after recovery story. So there's no excuse. Yep. If you want to recover, you can. I mean, yeah, I was a, a basket case. And now I think, I'm able to be happy at times. <laughs> Not all the time, but at times. Yeah. So the it's mistake great. I fell for was everybody kept saying, if you want to be better, you can be better. What I thought that meant was you snap your fingers, you read a book, you listen to Tony Robbins, you got it. You nailed it, you're better. That's not it. (laughs) It does not happen that way. I I had to completely learn all new skills from Mm -hmm. 25, 6, 7 years old, 27 years old. I had to completely reinvent myself as a person. My identity, I found out my identity was fake. I was tricked into an adoption. She knew where my dad was. She lied to him for just as many years. You know what I respect about him is he never would sign them damn papers. He never would, never. He knew it was wrong. She she manipulated the court system and everything in order to pull it off. And I don't know why she didn't think there wouldn't be consequences because I would become an adult wanting answers, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, later in the years, you know what? I still struggle with my identity, not as to who I am, but why I can't piece together the past, Bob. It seems like they should accept it like I've accepted it, right? No, so my father, no. I've got a, I've got a brother I never because knew about. They're not on why? a journey. They're stopped. They stopped. This is it. This oh, is what yeah. I'm doing. I'm done. It's too hard. Let me stop right here. The majority of them, he's good. He's bad. They have a list. My wife used to keep a list. Who's bad? Who's good? And that's not an exaggeration. They'll never change. It'll never change. Well, it's so weird to them. It's such a shock to them. But 
See, there wasn't just me and my dad. There was five other families affected by this adoption. I've got a, I've got a brother I never knew I had, so I grew up without a brother. I've got three, three half-sisters on that side of the family. So I've got a brother, three half-sisters, and a father. We could have at least known about each other and stuff. They heard about me as they were growing up, but they never met me. I never heard about any of them, you know. So when I found out about them, can you imagine the shock? I mean, it wasn't just like, oh, wow, I was tricked. It's like, Jesus, my name is, you know, I don't have the right name, but I'm also, my my whole identity was affected. And that's why at that time I had like minor depression problems. I had some anger mm-hmm. management issues. I was OCD confused. I had over, yeah. yeah, I had overwhelming anxiety. But when I found that stuff out, it shifted, my mind shifted into real bipolar, real anger, real anxiety. Mm-hmm. And from there, I've had to fight for it to get myself back to well, what we call, I don't call it normal anymore. I'm socially typical. No, there's no <laughs> normal. I, I can there fit in no somewhere. Normal. somewhere. Everybody's fucked up. You know, everybody's yeah. fucked up. That's what you got to realize. But Everybody I got to know, some- it's, 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 I wish we could talk all night, but people get bored after a while, I guess. But, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were a tremendous guest. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time out to send out a message of hope that we can recover, we can get better. And, you know, let's continue doing it. I support you in 100%. You're, you're so passionate. Everything you've ever recorded, you keep saying that people need to have their children checked out for ADHD. The yeah. children. My grandson has it. Period. He'll never yeah. get tested. Kind of, He'll never get. Kind tested. of the risk. Kind of the risk is any child that's just not paying attention in class. They used to say he's got attention deficit. Well, hyperactive disorder is much different than just not paying attention. They might just be interested. He's got it all. He's got the super focus. We're out to dinner. Everybody's talking. He's super focused on his game that he's playing. Yeah. Or. He's at a baseball game. He doesn't know enough to get off the field. He stays in the field. The whole team gets off, but he, he stays. Those things are ADHD related, and I, I don't know. Yeah. I hope. I hope they. It's so critical, man. Yeah. It's it's like saving someone's life, Bob. If they can die, if they can catch it early enough, it's like oh, yeah. saving someone's life. Oh yeah, saving a miserable life from being a miserable life, and that's from a miserable the, life. That, that's what I'm trying That's, to teach people that they can recover, they can get better, and they don't have to take the shit anymore. They don't have to be bullied no. around anymore. They don't have to be called a clown. But you don't have to quarrel with this yeah. guy. Just ignore him. If he says you're a clown, ignore him or go to your boss. Whatever it takes. You got to stop feeling bad that you're different. You have to accept that you're different and that you're an outcast and you have a weird crowd. You're a weird yeah. guy in a weird crowd, and that's the end of it. And that's all right. You go though. on YouTube. There's a yeah. hundred videos where the guy says, yeah. "You know what? My my family has a problem with this. My family has a problem with this. What are we going to do? They have a problem. Yeah. I can't handle it. They can't handle it. Well, yeah. America, we have to learn to handle it. We we handled COVID. Now we got to handle mental illness. Isn't that is something? We, before COVID. we can handle this. We can handle this airborne bacteria, this virus that killed tens of thousands of people, but it's really hard for us to just handle someone saying you're odd. 
like you're different. Okay, whatever, you know, be different. I found love for it. I love you, Bob. I love your, I love your (laughs) podcast and I love everything you're doing. It's important to catch it early. Important to catch it. Uh, we'll definitely do another show. Uh, All right, this man. This will be a great show. Goodbye, Wayne. It was great having you on the show. I, I really yeah. enjoyed it. Thanks Thank a lot. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay.